Hi, my turtle doves. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. I hope you guys are doing amazing and well. Um, I want to say happy Father's Day to all of the fathers out there. It is actually June 19th. Father's Day is tomorrow, June 20th, but I'm doing the podcast today. So happy Father's Day to the spiritual fathers, the physical fathers, the fathers that took the place of absent fathers, stepfathers, all of you guys that are in a child's life and you are considered a father or a father figure. I want to say happy Father's Day. Um, I came to tell you about King David. Um, like I promised you on my previous co- podcast, God has been dealing in my spirit about King David, telling me so many different things about him. And I just want to take a moment to tell you all about him. Hopefully I'm not too lengthy and too vocal. Um, and I want to just touch all of the key points without telling you too much. But I will tell you that his story is in First and Second Samuel, and then he also is the psalmist of um, about 73 books in the book of Psalms, because he's a psalmist and a musician. So I urge you all to go ahead and look into that. Um, we will start off by saying that King David was five feet tall. King David was five feet tall. Um, he was the smallest of his village and his village is maybe, I would say maybe about five, three, five, five up to five, seven. So they're not really that tall back in the days. They didn't have that. They weren't that tall in stature. So, but he was the smallest of them all. He was like one of the smallest of them all. And, um, in the book of Samuel, David was appointed as King after King Saul fall fell from the grace of God. He was secretly appointed as king of the Israelites when Saul fell from the grace of God. Now, one day, and a lot of people know King David as the the giant slayer. Yes, David was the giant slayer. Um, One day, David went to go take food to his brothers, and he said, how can you guys be afraid of this uncircumcised Philistine? And being uncircumcised means that you were not under a blood covenant with God. God does not have you under his protection. How can you guys be afraid of someone that doesn't even serve the same God that we serve, right? And he said, he went to King Saul, and which is the person whose place he's going to take one day, right? He went to King Saul, not with cockiness, not with, hey, you sitting in my spot, my boy. He didn't go to him with any of that. He went to him with one thing in mind, and this thing was, how can you be afraid of this uncircumcised Philistine when God is the number one warrior, and with him, you win every battle? He told King Saul, he said, surely God delivered me from the mouth of a bear and a, and a tiger when I was out there defending the sheep. Surely he'll deliver me from the hands of this uncircumcised Philistine, so put me in the game, coach. Let me go ahead out here. Let me handle the business that everybody else is afraid to handle. Me and my five-foot stature I'm going to go up against this 13-foot giant. And if you put five feet next to 13 feet, immediately you're going to see the difference. So Saul said, all right, you know, may God be with you. Like, you know how when an old person say, um, when, a, when an old person say something like, if you, if you like it, I love it. That's basically them calling you stupid. <laughs> like, you go ahead and handle it, because if it was me, I wouldn't do it. So Saul told King David, may God be with you. Go ahead out there and fight. And he told his people to arm David with all of the, ar- the armor 
to that, the soldiers usually go out. So there was like a helmet that weighed this amount of pounds, and there was a breastplate that weighed this amount of pounds, and there were shoulder pads and boots and all type of things. And David was like, this stuff too heavy for me. I cannot fight with this armor on. This is not the armor that God gave me. So I'm going to go into this fight with three things. And possibly more than three. He said, I'm going to go with this slingshot and this smooth stone. He said, I'm going to go with the faith that God will deliver me like he's delivered me before. And I'm going to go with the knowledge of knowing that any battle that I fight in the name of God, I'm going to win. David said, I'm on my way. So he went down there. And he stood in front of that giant. And he said, Goliath. Goliath turned around and seen this little five-foot man. He said, you came out here with a rock and a stick. And you think you finna beat me? David told Goliath, I come in the name of my father. And David had a supernatural strength on him. A lot of people think that he just slung the slingshot and it tapped them. No, David had a supernatural strength that when he pulled that slingshot back with that smooth stone, it went with the force of an actual bullet, a cannon, if you want to if you want to be extra. A missile, one of the ones that they drop and then knock out whole um, villages and things like that. That's the supernatural strength that David had on him when he pulled that slingshot back with that faith and that courage and that knowing that he's going to win this battle. And when he let go, it hit King Goliath where it hurt the worst and Goliath fell. It hit King, it hit Goliath where it was needed to hit and Goliath fell in the name of Jesus, in the name of God, David won that victory. After that, everybody was, um, grateful. Everybody was like, King David, you the man. You know what I'm saying? You awesome. You amazing. You knocked that big guy out. And Saul saw him and Saul said, you know, thank you. You know, God, Saul blessed David according to his faith and according to his deed. And his deed was he rid the, the village, the town of this pestering giant. Shortly thereafter, David went on to live his life. David went back to where he came from. You know, he knocked this guy out. Everybody praised him. King Saul praised him. He went back to, to, to he went back to being the shepherd's boy. He went back to his sheep. He didn't get a cocky head. He didn't stay there telling the story over and over again to see what he can get from people like some people do. He didn't make that his life. He didn't make the fact that he slayed Goliath his life. And he didn't live off the bounty of something that, God got the victory for. He gave God the victory and kept going. So remember I told you that King Saul fell from the glory of God and that's how David got anointed, but David did not step into position yet. So King Saul started to have these nightmares. He started being, I, I would say, you know, they, they say something about he's being, he's being a, a demon's riding him. And I believe that that's kind of what it was. I believe that God took his hand off of him. He started to be riddled with all type of nightmares and things like that. And I believe that God allowed that to happen. So he he told um, his, his people, he said, look for someone. And this word, I'm going to call it a leer. It's L-Y-R-E. He said, go look for someone who can play this instrument. It looks like a little small harp. And they went out to find, and guess who they found? they found little David. So David came and he started to play the music and sing. And as David played the music and sang, King Saul, that the demon would leave Saul, that spirit would leave Saul and Saul would be at peace and he'll be able to sleep. 
And this continuously went on for nights and nights at a time. And so he, he found favor in the sight of Saul. He found favor in the sight of Saul. And Saul said, you know what? This is the same man who, this is the same young man who slayed Goliath. This is the same young man who has so much faith and strength in his little five foot stature to slay a whole Goliath. And then he also has enough power to come and play this, this lyre and cast out these demons. And, you know, at one point I used to think that, you know, God said that he sent us to cast out demons and heal the sick. And I was like, David wasn't even a, a demon. Um, He didn't cast out demons, but I believe that that's what David was doing. David was casting out demons in the name of God. And it was from King Saul when he played that instrument and he sang those songs. I believe that he was, um, he casted out demons, but um, Saul said, I'm going to take you and I'm going to make you a ruler of my army. And I'm going to send you out and you're going to win battles for me. Every, every, every battle that King Saul sent David on, he won. And one day King David was coming back from a battle and the people started, they, they ran out to meet David and they was like, David slayed, um, King Saul slayed thousands, David slayed tens of thousands. And when King Saul heard this song, he forgot all about the man who slayed Goliath and the man who calmed his spirit when he was all shooken up. And then he started to be afraid of David. He started to be afraid of the power that God gave David and how David was able to win all these battles. And now they're singing his praises instead of mine. And I'm the king. And he remembered back when Samuel told him, God is going to deliver your kingdom into the hands of your neighbor because you have fallen from his grace. He started to get scared. This man tried to kill David. This man chased David and shot at him and did all type of things and forced David out into the wilderness. Now, David could have always, there, there was never a point where David said, you, David knew the strength that he had. He knew the favor of God that he had. He knew the power of God that he had. And not once did David look at King Saul and say, hey, you know who you messing with? I'm a child of the most high, but he remembered that God appointed and anointed Saul. And God is the one who's going to, because God said, vengeance is mine, said the Lord. So God is the one who has to take care of Saul. So David ran. David ran and hid in the wilderness with his army. David became the king of a whole nother city before he even became a king of the Israelites. And he, a couple times, so one time when Saul was pursuing David, Saul fell asleep in the camp. David went to King Saul and stabbed his sword next to Saul's head. He actually pierced a piece, cut a piece of his robe, stabbed the sword next to his head and put the cloth and, and, and took the piece of cloth with him. When Saul woke up, David was like, you pursuing me. And I was so close. God delivered you into my hands and I chose not to take you out. And he says, so my king, I am your faithful servant. He's still being humble, still saying I'm your faithful servant. And he didn't do nothing to Saul. Saul just jealous and scared of how anointed David is. And David got so close that he could have killed this man and he chose not to. And he's still saying, I am your humble servant. And he bowed down to King Saul still, 
knowing the power that he had, knowing that Saul is in his position, knowing that he will one day take the place, knowing the power, knowing the faith, knowing the courage, knowing the strength, knowing the God that he serves, he still bowed down to this man who pursued him and tried to kill him because God said, don't touch him. He's mine. Right? Then David turned around and started feeling bad about even piercing the ground next to Saul's head and cutting off his cloth. And he apologized to him because God said, why did you do that? Because he belongs to me, not you. I didn't deliver him into your hands, you know? And you would think that all of this, and, and David had to apologize. David actually apologized to the man that's trying to kill him for something that he didn't do, <laughs> you know? So then a second time, he got close enough to, it was something, I can't remember what he did, but he got close enough again that he could have killed Saul. And he said, see, a second time I got close enough to you while you guys were sleeping that I could have took you out, but I didn't. Let me come home. Let me stop running from you and living in the wilderness. And King Saul apologized to David three times and lied and told David, I'm going to stop trying to kill you. And still tried to pursue and kill David, but David was running and running for his life. And in the midst of running for David's life, David running from his life, David still prayed to God. He still said, God, you are the author and the finisher of my faith. He said things like the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, and my God is my rock and whom I take refuge. He said things like, hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. He still said things like stand in awe and not sin and, and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. So, you know, David, David, um, David said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. But in his delight is the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate. So David was still meditating. David was still praying, fasting. I'm sure David was fasting. Um, David still said, God, you are my rock and my fortress, and whom should I fear? You are my stronghold. And, and in Psalms 27, David said, I have it on my wall. He said, the Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advanced against me to devour me, my enemies and my foes will stumble. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze upon his beauty. So David ran. David was scared. His flesh was scared, but his spirit knew what's up. That's what it's all about. Your flesh is going to feel all these humanly emotions, but your spirit is what you should allow to take place. You do it even though you're afraid. You run even though you're afraid. You start that business. You say that prayer. You write that book. You sing that song. You speak life into that person even though you're afraid. Um. So... David still wrote those type of things as he ran. And David played like he was um, mentally retarded when he went into an ar um, into a town. And they appointed him king of their army. And um, he actually reigned there. You know, he reigned there for quite some time, for a few years. And then King Saul finally um, ended up in battle with the Philistines. And he got struck to the point where his his wounds were not recoverable. 
he was going to die eventually, but he didn't. Someone was walking by and they saw him and he said, just take my sword and kill me. No, take my sword and put it here that I may thrust myself upon it or something like that. And no, 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 no. He told he told the armor bearer, he told the young man, kill me. Um, one of the the that one of the the soldiers that he was in, in, in war with, he told him, kill me. And his armor bearer and his son, he said, kill us because we're not coming back from these wounds. Take us out of our misery. Don't let us die like this. So the guy actually killed them. And I'll be right back. Thank you so much for returning. I hope that I'm not rambling and you're following the gist of who King David was with me. Um, so when the young man went to King David to tell King David, um, David, you know, your running is over. You don't have to run no more because King Saul is dead. And David asked him, how do you know that he's dead? And he said that because I saw them with injuries. And he told me that I can't come back from these injuries and I want you to kill him. He said, so I, your faithful servant, I killed him. And you just know that he's dead. So he told King David this news, feeling like he did something right. And feeling like, um, you know, what he did was right. And feeling like he should be rewarded for it. And King David said that you weren't afraid to put your hands on one of God's anointed. As many times as God delivered him into my hands, I never touched him because I knew that he belonged to God. And I knew that God would handle it, not me. And he said that surely your blood is on your own hands for the sin that you committed by killing King Saul. And he told them, his, his one of his armed generals, to kill the young man because the young man killed one of God's anointed ones because God said that he would handle it and nobody should have laid his hands on Saul. Um, and isn't that amazing how even though you fall from God's grace, God says that nobody should lay a hand on you. I'll handle it. And I would rather be disciplined by an angry, graceful, merciful God, which David actually said this. I would rather be delivered into the hands of an angry, merciful, graceful God than into the hands of a relentless, ruthless human. Right. David actually said that, you know, so David ended up tearing his clothes and he mourned for King Saul for quite some time. And he sent word for the wife that Saul promised him to come to him. And he did everything that God appointed him to do. He went and he was ruler over the Israelites. Now, all of these things, you hear me talking about how amazing David was and how faithful he was and glorious he was, but you miss, here's the, the plot twist. This is where the plot thickens. David wasn't perfect. And this is something that I feel is very important for us to know. This is one of those, what happens in this house stays in this house moment, but it didn't stay in the house. It came out. And I feel like I, I personally feel, and, and I'm, I'm feeling like on the brink of tears right now, just talking about who King David was, and that's how I know I'm in the right place. One day, King David went up on the roof, and he's seen Bathsheba, beautiful girl. He's like, oh, she looks so nice. And he told them, go get her for me. So they went and got her, 
They bathed her. They put her on perfume, got her all ready for her and he, for him. And he slept with her. He slept with her and he found out that he belonged, she belonged to, um, um, she belonged to one of the men in his army. And she sent out word that she was pregnant. And her husband at the time, his name was Uriah, the Hittite. That's his name, Uriah. And um, he sent word for Uriah to come from battle. Uriah came from battle and David brought him in his house and David asked him how everything's going. And he said, you know, it's fierce, but we, we holding it. We holding it together. And he said, all right, well, eat with me, drink, rest, be merry. And he fed Uriah. He ate with him, got him drunk. And then he told Uriah, go home to your wife in hopes that Uriah will go home to his wife, sleep with her. And then they would just assume that the baby was Uriah's. But Uriah in his righteousness and his faithfulness said, I don't feel comfortable going home and sleeping with my wife because my fellow soldiers are still out there in the brink of this war. They're out there in the middle of the throes and we losing some, we winning some, we fighting and I don't feel comfortable. So I'm going to sleep on the porch. Uriah went outside and slept on the porch. The next night, David tried again got him drunk, fed him good. And he said, go home to your wife and make love to her. And just, you know, you know, put your feet up. You deserve it, soldier. Go enjoy yourself. And once again, Uriah said, no, I'm not going unto my wife because I don't feel comfortable celebrating. And we haven't even won the victory yet. David sent word to the general when Uriah went back to battle. And he said, you know what? I want you to put him on the front line. And when he's on the front line where the battle is the fiercest, put him on the front line. And I want you to draw back from him. No protection. Don't fight with him. Just let him be. And they did it. And Uriah the Hittite got struck down. He died. And um, they sent word back to David. Once David got word that Uriah was dead, David called Bathsheba. He married her and she gave birth to a child. This was David's human moment. This was David's sinful moment. This was David and all that God has done for me. And all the praise that I've given. And all of the times that God delivered me from the hands of my enemy, I turned around and I did the one thing that God told me don't do. And that's not to covet my neighbor, my neighbor's belongings, to not want my neighbor's wife, to not sleep with something or have sex with someone that doesn't belong to me. And someone came to David and she spoke to David and she said, there was a man in the village and he owned a sheep and this sheep was like a child to him. He, um, the, the sheep slept in the bed with him. The sheep, the sheep ate at the table with him. And he was the only one that he had. And he loved this sheep like it was his very own child. And there was another shepherd that had many sheep, but he wanted the sheep of the man who only had one. So he went and took it and slaughtered it and ate it. And David said, 
surely this man will be punished. Show me who it is. And they said, it's you. It's you, David. Uriah the Hittite had the wife. You have many wives and you saw fit to take something that didn't belong to you and God is going to punish you for your sins. So he fell from God's grace, but he owned up to his mistake. Personal accountability. David said, you know what, God, I did this thing. And this is when he said, I would rather be delivered into the hands of a merciful God of grace than into the hands of humans. So God, do what you would have done to me. And I think God inflicted his um him and his people with a plague for about a good couple of days. And he ended up paying for that. But one thing I can say about David is David never turned his back on God. David never made a mistake that he felt like he had to hide from God. David never he, he didn't sleep. So basically, you know how we'll do something and then we get an attitude because we did wrong and we get mad at God because we got penalized for what we did. And we 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 turn our back on God. We stop praying. We stop listening to the word. We stop worshiping because God is the one who did the sin and God made the mistake, right? Nah, we made the mistake. But one thing about David is David never turned his back. So after that, um, God told David that I'm going to, um, so the, the, the child that Bathsheba, um, conceived while she was yet still married to the, um, to Uriah ended up getting sick and David fasted and cried and pleaded while the boy was sick. God, please don't take him from me. So on and so forth. And while David was crying, the child passed away and all the kids came, I'm not the kids, but all of his servants was having a conversation like, you see how he acting while the child is still alive? I dare not tell him that he's dead. And David saw the commotion and he said, the child's dead, isn't he? And they said, yeah, David got up and put on some clothes and went and ate something. And they was like, David, while the child was sick, you cried and mourned. And now that he's dead, you get up and you get dressed and you eat. We don't understand. We're confused about this behavior. And David was like, I thought that while the child was alive and sick, that if I fasted, prayed and cried enough, God surely would deliver him. Um, would, would deliver him and save him. But because of David's one act of disobedience, it affected not only David, it affected the un, the child. It affected the wife. It affected his people that was under him. So, sometimes the things that you do can affect the people around you. So, um, but like I said, it's better to be disciplined or um, taken care of by a merciful God than it is to be delivered into the hands of a ruthless human because humans don't have the mind or the emotion or the grace of God. And them people, I'm telling you, they're taking your head off every time. Because back then when you got stoned for sin, they have a problem with hitting you with a whole bunch of pebbles until you died. <laughs> they didn't have a problem with taking you out the game until Jesus one day said, he who was without sin cast the first stone because they wanted to stone a woman who got caught in the middle of an adulterous um, act. And God said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. God was still talking. When he looked up, everybody was gone because nobody is without sin. So nobody cast a stone at David right now, even knowing what you know, even knowing the story that you probably didn't know and you never heard about. You can't cast a stone at David because I'm pretty sure that you sinned and no sin is greater than the other. So it, 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 he went on to um, end up being in the wilderness again and running from his own son because his son wanted to kill him because um, 
David's one of David's son went and slept with his sister. And he raped, he actually raped the sister, and the sister got pregnant. And then um the son who heard about it decided that he was gonna kill his brother. And he ended up fleeing, and David brought him back home. And then David started to flee because he planned to overthrow David and take his kingdom. And he slept with David's wives and took them from him and got him pregnant and all type of things. But in 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 the midst of the story, I said, you know, I, I told you this whole story about King David to to show you how by faith in God. Because God says that it is impossible to please him without faith. By faith in God and faith is the substance, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By faith in God, walking in the strength of God, the courage of God, though his flesh was afraid, his spirit was strengthened with the word of God and the things that he knew. And if God delivered me once, he'll do it again. David went through his entire life. Walking on the promises of God, David did wrong. David stumbled, which is what we are. We that we're born sinful. Sometimes you can be sitting there, you'll have an evil thought. Nobody did nothing to you. You just thought about how it'd be funny to see this person fall out the chair, or you want to pinch somebody just to see if they're gonna cry. And that's that's the evilness that's in us, that's on this flesh that we have. But our spirit is the thing that's perfect, and that's what belongs to God. So David walked in the sinful flesh the entire time. But in that sinful flesh, no matter what mistake David made, David stayed in the presence of God. And I and, and that 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 is the challenge that I have for you, my turtle dove. No matter what it is that you do, I can tell you that God sees it anyway. No matter what you do, what you go through, what you experience, God sees it anyway. And I challenge you, my turtle dove, to give it to God, to not turn your back on the God who sees it anyway, to give it to him. Give him the sin. Give him the hurt. Give him the fear. Give him the moments where you feel like you just can't make it. God wants all of that because he sees it anyway, but he still wants to use you in the midst of that brokenness, that dirtiness, that sin. Do you know that God, when David went into battle, they took all the ones that was afflicted, one leg, one eye, all of the ex-cons, the murderers, all of the people that had all type of infirmities. And that's who they gave David to, to, to fight with. David went into every battle and he won with those broken pieces of men. So God wants every broken piece so that he can use you anyway. God can't use anything that's perfect because a perfect, a perfect mold can't be molded by a potter because it's perfect already. So God takes you, you broken person, you 25% of a person and he pours into you until you're perfect for his will. And he molds you and he moves you around and he does with you what he needs to do with you because you know that I am nobody without God. I'm humble enough. And, and, and the humble, like the humbleness of David, the humbleness, David, David was so humble that he ran from a man that he knew he could beat. He ran from a man that the God that he served told him was sitting in his spot. Like David was so humble and he just was like this, just this amazing person. But David was flawed. He wasn't perfect. Amazing, not perfect. So my turtle doves, I challenge you to be like David. I'm, I'm not saying go out there and sleep with nobody and kill them because you just slept with their people. 
But I'm talking about in the midst of whatever it is that you're doing, in the midst of your sin, repent. Tell God you're sorry and mean it from the bottom of your heart. Continue to go because we're going to make mistakes. We're human. And I, I've struggled with that for a while. Like, if I know that it's wrong, how can I do it and then go ask God for forgiveness? But I believe that it all comes into knowing that you're wrong. Striving your heart is not to do it again. Asking God for forgiveness, laying it at his feet and uncovering your sins every single time. God, I saw this sin that I did. I recognize it. I want you to remove it from me. Continue to mold me to who you said you want me to be and continue to use me because I am your faithful servant. I am the clay. You are the potter and I want you to mold me into your awesomeness. So my turtle doves, I, I hope, I pray that I related how God gave it to me or I, I said something that would have helped you, that we're not perfect. We make mistakes, but give it to God anyway and let God use that. to could all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose? Not some of them, not 25%, half of all of those things. So if you get a chance, read First and Second Samuel. Also read the, the Psalms of David. And just get an understanding for yourself because I can't, I can only tell you so much without you knowing the story. I want you to know God for yourself. I love you, my turtle doves. And remember, the challenge is to be like King David in your sinfulness, your dirtiness. I want you to give it to God. Continue to pray, continue to worship, continue to lay it at his feet and let God mold you to be the beautiful clay that he would have you to be and use you for his purpose. I love you, my turtle doves. Once again, have an amazing Saturday. Um, we've been fasting. The fast is over today. I'm, I don't even have a desire to eat a donut because once I do, I know it's going to open Pandora's box. But um, I kind of want something sweet. <laughs> I think I'm going to have it. But um, my turtle doves, I love you. Have an amazing Saturday. Have a great Father's Day. Um, worship. Pray. Don't turn from God, no matter what those fleshly feelings tell you. And you'll see that all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I love you, my turtle doves. Have a great day. Bye.